Welcome back, everybody, to the Part of Me podcast. I'm Alex once again. I'm Danny. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, today's topic is actually one that maybe can correlate to today's issues, an underlying issue that um, the society is having as a whole. Um, what do you have to say about it, Danny? Yeah, I think we're talking about maybe a mentality or a culture we see not only today, I'm, but I think it goes back further than today. I just think that our life experiences, at least when I say our, I mean me and you, our life experiences and our thoughts have kind of led us to notice it more, I would say, be aware of it, maybe a little bit of the the the, the intricacies of, of this mentality that we see. And I think me and you also have a large experience on it. And what I'm referring to specifically, I, I don't have one catch-all name to it or anything, but we're just kind of talking about this, um, the idea of what mentality or practices do we notice in the successful individuals we've come across, the unsuccessful individuals we've come across, the rich individuals, the middle individuals, the poor individuals, you know, any way you want to look at it, there's just certain patterns you notice as you, as you go about the world and you kind of, you know, you see these groups of people and you kind of look at, you know, the decisions they made or didn't made or didn't make, excuse me. And I think that really, really bears a significance in the development of young men and women and what you, you can learn things, in my opinion, from different groups of people and you can learn sometimes what to do what you should think about doing maybe other times you can learn oh hey i don't want to do that one you know but but everybody has something important to teach you from their experiences and some mentalities work and others not so much and i think we're we're going to talk a little bit uh, more about the ones that don't work so much yeah specifically the ones that don't work so much um we have a lot of statistical uh, data here, but we're not just going to give you a podcast of just numbers and numbers. You know, that would just be monotonous and boring. Uh, but like Danny said, um, there is not just a specific name for this type of characteristic or mentality that we're describing. Um, and I would like to say before we actually start on the topic, get into depth into the topic, this mentality doesn't just refer to one race or ethnicity. Anybody can have this mentality that we're going to speak of. And we've seen that it can affect this mentality does not discriminate. Would, would you agree, Danny? Yeah, absolutely. So this mentality that, that we're speaking about today, um, specifically, um, like I said, we don't have a specific name for it. But the name that I, I researched and the most came up would be a uh, hood mentality. Uh, for those of you that are not familiar with the term hood, um, hood is characterized in America as this, you know, place with full of crime, full of poverty, um, impoverished areas, ghettos. Um, it's also named ghettos in, um, in that sense. Um, and the word hood actually derives from the, from the, wood, from the word neighborhood. Really? And yeah, it just comes from the word neighborhood. And they just took off the, you know, the beginning of that word and just kept the hood. And when you say they took it off, I'm just curious, was that like an unofficial government thing or the people within yeah. those communities? Was well, as, as I read online on the research, it's like slang. Slang, they characterize gotcha. it as slang for neighborhood. Gotcha. Right. And in the New York Times, um, this article written in the New York Times, one of the the writer actually, I, I'm sorry, I can't recollect his name, but the writer actually um, described um, this mentality of hood. 
of this hood mentality, mm. right? He, some of the characteristics he gave is extreme individual individualism. Sorry, I can't say that word correctly. <laughs> uh, materialism and a a big defensive respect, a great defensive respect. Mm. So those three things he said would make up that mentality that is characterized as a hood mentality or a ghetto mentality in a sense. You think there are some good examples of those? Yes. Uh, materialism. Mm. Um, I don't know how familiar whoever's listening or the listeners are, how familiar they are with actually being in a hood or being in a ghetto as they're called. Um, but Danny and I's experiences, unfortunately, have led us to live live around those areas. And like we said, that's where we have an aware and a slight awareness of this issue is because we see it all the time. Examples. Um, you see a lot of individuals with cars that are like they add everything they can to them. They upgrade them in any way, shape or form, which costs thousands and thousands of dollars. But you never see them leave the actual hood or the ghetto. So you have this aspect of materialism where you care so much about like um, instant gratification and impressions on people that you don't think about the long-term effects of or, or the long-term or where could that money actually go to? That money could actually go to you leaving the hood and things of that nature. Yeah. Remaining mobile is crucial. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just to be clear, <clears throat> I'm sure, uh, Shrata, you got way deeper and way better stories than I do, way more personal stuff. Um, I just want to be clear, you know, thankfully, I would say I did not live in the hood. You know, my dad did when he first came over here for sure. You know, he lived in Spanish Harlem. He lived in the South Bronx, during crack, cocaine, the AIDS epidemic, you know, some rough times in New York. <clears throat> um, my older brothers did as well. I got two older brothers there in their 50s. They lived through that kind of stuff as well. Thankfully, I didn't at that time. I kind of lived on the outskirts of this really good town. I wouldn't, I didn't live in it, you know, I didn't live in a house or anything, but I lived on the outskirts of it. And I'm, while I obviously am glad I didn't live in the hood, I can look back and say there are good things about where I was in the middle, too, being right near that really nice, you know, well to do, shall we say, town and, you know, have the hood right right behind me being so evident as well it gave me an interesting perspective into both worlds and taught me a a lot honestly about my family it gave me a real uh, allowed me to get a real look inside and i didn't fully see it when i was growing up i i could say that for sure but i look back and i definitely see like the identity struggles and the struggles to realize who you are or who you aren't and how to voice those things and the concerns, you know, how people live in those situations. I learned a lot of this in retrospect. And it's just, it's very interesting how the automatic thoughts that some of us can take for granted, especially those of us, you know, who are, who can afford to go to college, for example, who have had higher paying jobs uh, you know, uh, better financial situations, whatever you want to look at it. It's interesting what we can take for granted in our automatic thoughts of those things. And it's interesting how the more the more good we do, and I hesitate to use that word good, but the more good we do in life, the more those automatic thoughts get concentrated and get solidified. 
I've I have I have thoroughly noticed that, and I'm guilty of it too. Don't get me wrong, because I'll say some shit sometimes, and I'm like, wait a minute, you've done that before, or you were there before, or you said this thing, or you said that thing, you know. So even even I'm guilty of it too. But I think it's just a very I hate to say insidious because that almost personifies it, but it is in a way. It's very subliminal. That's let, let me ask you this question, Danny. Yeah, what if you could remember a time where you really noticed, where you really noticed in retrospect, like wow, I was really like that, or I thought like that. Absolutely. When I when I got out of the military and I would meet um, successful like doctors or 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 in the military, you know, the people who had been successful in the military. But I'm talking like at high levels, you know, commanders, captains, people working in Washington D.C. That level of of achievement, whether you whether you agree with that stuff or not, that level of achievement needs to be noted in any field. And the more I was around those people, or you know, working with working with a higher up and hearing the even higher ups, just listening in, peeking in, because um, people don't notice you when you're when you're just standing around there in the background. You know, if you're quote unquote lower, they don't notice you in there. So the one I noticed that clothing was a huge one. You know, when I when I was first in the military, when I first got to Georgia, have my money, I bought so many fucking pieces of clothing. You know, when I was in college, I was always like trying to save money, get this this new hot item or whatever. And I'm sure when I was younger, like my parents probably bought me a couple of like Nikes or something that like I was gonna fuck up. Like I was a little kid, you know, they're gonna get dirty and scuff. Like they should not have been doing it. I'm gonna grow out of them anyway. And and that was one of the first things I noticed because, and I'm gonna bring this to my point. All those successful people I was I was around, I noticed the ones whose parents were also successful and instilled successful habits in them. Those people dress kind of plain, honestly. Like they didn't really have any flashy stuff or or those stuff that they had that was flashy was still very understated and subtle or was relegated to one thing. Like I would see people who live real, real plainly, maybe drove like a Honda or something. But, you know, I knew they had a couple pieces of property, for example, or the person who like I would see them with um, a really, really nice boat or a really, really nice car. But that would be all they had that was nice. Like they were dressing in very nondescript clothing, you know, like how Mark Zuckerberg looks or something. They like, you know, look for deals to buy groceries. Like they live very plainly for the most part and just really showed or splurged in very, very small, subtle ways. And and that was just one of like the first things I noticed of like, wow, what was like I was part of that too. You know, I was like, oh, look at me chasing all this stuff and wearing all these clothes that I don't even have now, I don't even want. And honestly, I feel great for it. And I learned that 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 minimalism um, does go a little bit in hand with success. I would say, ju- just like you, you start becoming aware of the of what the quote unquote successful people mm-hmm. um, like getting their education, you know, having financial freedom, mm-hmm. right? What they have done and what has led them there. And I feel like that's. Um, that is one of the biggest issues with this mentality and overcoming this mentality is if you don't leave that bubble, it's hard to see that something, I hate to say the word wrong, but it's hard to, to see that there's something else out there. You can't see past that. You can't see past it. And, and I, I really do think I was a victim of this. And 
looking back on it, just like your example, I remember growing up and thinking, oh man, I can't wait till I'm I'm 18, 19, and I can like actually get a job job, you know, because when you're 16, mm-hmm. you can only get like certain types of jobs. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember thinking like, oh, I can't wait till I turn 18 and go get a factory job. And so that way I could buy myself, uh, you know, when the new Camaros came out, I was like, I can't mm-hmm. wait to get myself a new Camaro, <laughs> right? And mm-hmm. like looking back on it now, I'm just like, really? That, that was my life goal? Like getting a factory job? No, nothing against people who have factory jobs, right? But it's just, I feel like myself, I could do more, mm-hmm. right? If I put in a little more hard work, like I told myself, like, Alex, if you actually put in more effort, maybe you would get more out of life. I know that's like very dumbed down and like it makes it's a like common sense. But when you're in that mentality, you don't see it that way. You only see what you have seen before. You don't realize the how capable you are of doing things if you just put in work. Right. For example, I have um, from we got I got this data from Pew Research. Right. And this is specifically regarding Latinos. Well, sorry, Latinx people. Um, And this is the percentage is really high on this. It says Latinos say achieving the American dream is too hard for them. Seventy four percent of Latinx people have said that achieving the American dream is too hard for them. And I want to say that number one more time because I, I am of Hispanic descent. I am a Latinx. You would say 74%. And this is what really hit me about this, this number is this word too hard. These two words too hard. Do we expect things to be easy? Do we expect things to just come to us quickly, you know, without any effort? Right it doesn't say here that the American dream is impossible. It's saying that it's too hard. It's almost like they created this mental barrier already to themselves saying, Oh, that's too hard. I'm not going to do that. Right. But you'll sit here and work at a factory. Like I wanted to for 40 years, breaking your back. And then what, you know, those 40 years, what's 40 years to four years in college. You know, what's four years to doing what you want to do, building your own business? Are you following me here, Danny? Yeah, I think uh, I think we should be careful, though, in in outright um, praise of college and outright condemnation or dislike of trades, because I personally would disagree a little bit with you and say that I do think trades are important for some people. Not everybody wants to go to college. Not everybody should go to college either. You know, um, let's be real. You majoring in chemistry gives you a better chance of a job than if you major in anthropology or art history. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm not saying you can't get a job. I'm not saying you can't be the smartest art historian. I, 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 I wholeheartedly encourage people to follow their passion. But you should be aware that you need to have a passion for this because in all likelihood, it's not going to be smooth sailing at first. And I think that's a lot of um, what we need to consider with colleges, too, because there are some people that join and just rack up college debt for something they don't want to do and then just go into a blue collar uh, trade job that they should have just went into in the first place, frankly. But I do I do think what I that's not what I think you're trying to say. I think what you're trying to say is more you doing that kind of job would have been soul draining because it's not what you want to do. And a soul draining job can make you a lot of money or little money. Correct. 
I, you're right. I didn't mean to say that just because you don't go to college, you know, you're not going to be successful. Obviously, we've seen plenty of, of people that have become successful without an edu- without a college education. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think what I left out in this is under um, after the, the 74 percent, they had a little description and they described what these um, the Latinx people um, described as the American dream. Mm-hmm. Right. First and foremost, it was owning property. Mm. Second was financial freedom. Third was their children having a better life than they have, than they had. Mm. So 74% of those people have said that it is too hard to achieve the American dream. I think that some of that is due to the fact that it, it is hard for some people. I mean, let's be real. You know, we haven't been, we haven't always been um, nondescriptly, unconditionally welcoming to every single group of people. I think we, uh, we, you know, we obviously have to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. But I think a psychological shift is always harder for people than any physical shift because you can make people work hard as hell in this country and they'll work hard as hell and you can make them put in hours and you can keep giving them raises and they will put in that work. But when you ask people to think outside the box or look at something in a different way, I I think that's where a lot of people fall short. So why would you, why would you say that mentally it's, it's harder for people to change than to, to do a physical change? I think because it permeates everything you do. You know, every decision you make, you have your your past experiences with you and the mentality and the goals you want. And that colors every decision you make. And I mean every decision, you know, from the big stuff as in, do I marry this person? Do I not marry this person? Down to the little stuff of, do I go out to eat? And I say that because, you know, that do I go out to eat becomes one night, then two nights and three nights. And it compounds on itself. And so those little moments are just as important as those those huge moments too. And your goals and what you vision for your life, not to sound too too you know hokey, but what you have envisioned for your life, it, it it shades every decision you make without a doubt. And so I think it's hard because you have these thoughts in your head; they're automatic. So sometimes you don't even know they're going on, and then they're they're so a part of everything you do. You know, if you're a hard worker. But work sucks. Well, okay, on the weekend, let's just say, well, you're free. You're out of work, right? Or if work sucks, you only work three days a week, but you work, you know, 20 hours those three days. Work sucks, but then you get off of it. But a mentality of psychology, it's it's with you all the time. It's with you when you go to bed, when you wake up, when you talk to somebody, you know, it's everywhere. So when they ask you to change mentally, it goes back to the thing of it questions your identity. Well, the idea becomes how much do you want to spend being aware of what you're doing? And what? Yeah. And then that's the decision you have to make. That's the decision you have to make. And most people don't want to make that decision. Well, it's hard because you have to do it every day. And sometimes things that maybe feel right to you in the moment aren't right later, you know? There's, I'm sure, I mean, you could pull out examples of shit we said that would later been like, man, I wish I didn't say that, or I wish I didn't say it that way. But it seemed, mo- it seemed right in the moment. But, but maybe, that's, maybe that's the part of growth where we can, in retrospect, look back and be like, oh, yeah, we shouldn't have said that. But that's because we decided to be, become aware of the things that we're doing. 
You have to be aware. That's you. Ha- you you have to be aware. So I'm going to give a personal example, right? Like I said, I never lived in a house, and when I was younger, we used to go to Florida every year for two weeks, right? It was a fun trip looking back. I had some, you know, good memories of us driving down there, hopping in the van, you know, stopping at all these interesting places along the way, going to Disney or theme parks, whatever. And I'm I'm grateful for those experiences. You know, my parents use their vacation time and their money to take us to it. So I don't take that lightly. But I can't help but wonder all those moments and all those smaller moments of going places or going out to these things. If we had lessened some of that, maybe our our real estate property situation, our family would be better, you know, because I have none and my parents have none. And maybe had we made those smaller decisions, you know, things things could have been different right now. And instead of instead of um, going on these trips for like these quick, you know, these these kind of cash sinks, honestly, because it just costs a lot of money for something. Instead of concentrating it into these two weeks of have fun this time because this is it on vacation, you know, perhaps a little more hard work, a little more saving could have led to us to later vacations, but more enjoyable vacations under less duress. Because that's what I think people feel when, they're, when they make these kinds of decisions. Over time, it perpetuates duress. How so? Well, like you think, okay, you don't own property, right? So you wonder, okay, when I retire, how will I pay for this, you know, where I live because it's rent to rent or what's if it, what if it's expensive or what do I give to my children? You know, there, property is real value. There's real value in property and there's real familial value. You know, you having it, you passing it to somebody, you letting somebody stay there, whatever. Real estate is, is a powerful tool for that wealth acquirement. And a lot of people... You know, it costs a lot to get into it, but a lot of people can't see that that they can't they can't see that far ahead because usually real estate is not like you buy something and then you make a million dollars the next day. You know, it's it's the continuous passive stream that builds and builds. That's when you get these things. And that's a concept I never really understood. I just always looked at it when I was younger. It's like, wow, be so cool to have my house and have my own space. And that's how I saw it. But there's so much more to it than that. I think this goes to one point I wanted to make. Um, this point of like instant gratification, mm. right? Um, I think this mentality associates itself very closely to that. We, like, as you were saying, you don't see the long term, mm. right? You see the now. You see how can I do this now? What satisfaction will it bring to me now? Mm. And like you said, you've never seen things like as in common, you know, in these in these hoods and these ghettos. You don't really see this um, ownership mm. of real estate, as you were saying. So that concept is not even, you can't even fathom that concept, mm-hmm. right? To you, it's normal just to keep paying rent, 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 right? Paying somebody else's mortgage in a sense. And what I can remember is I, I hate to say, uh, I hate to say this, but like my family has fallen victim to this. Mm. All right. We, we see this like instant gratification all the time and we never see the long-term like retirements right? Pensions, right? Like those are always in the back burner because we're so focused on the now. Right? And now looking back on retrospect, now I see things and I'm just like, wow, what is my mother going to do when she doesn't have a retirement? If you wouldn't mind, could you give me an example? Um, if yeah, you don't, for, that's fine. yeah, for, for example, um, 
so my, my mother um, came here um, as an immigrant. Um, she is a citizen now, though. Um, and she never had a high school diploma or that sense. Her father never let her go to I'm giving the background just so it makes a little more sense. But her father didn't allow her to go to school and things of like that because they wanted her to work in Mexico. So she came here and she's been here all these years and she's been going from job to job just because she's been trying to find a better opportunity without a high school diploma, which is getting harder and harder in this country. Right. A high school, you, you can't even really work at McDonald's these days without a high school diploma. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so now I worry because from going from these jobs and jobs, like everybody knows McDonald's doesn't have a 401k retirement plan for just a worker. Right. Um, Chick-fil-A does, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> maybe for the for the corporate jobs or maybe the general manager jobs. But uh, don't quote me, but I'm sure McDonald's doesn't for the common, you know, um, kitchen person or front or sales associate in the front. But that, that's what I mean. Like now looking back on it now, I'm just like, wow, what is my mother going to do when she reaches that age of retirement? She hasn't. There's no 401k or even if she started one now it would only be in there for about 15 years. Right. So that, that's the example that I mean is like, we're, they're so caught up in the moment, so caught up in this working, 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 working hard, which is no, no issue. But that's why I brought up that thing of education. All right. And even if it's a trade, if you go educate yourself in a trade, right. And that's, that's what I mean to refer is this instant gratification. We want the things now we, we only see the now and we can't fathom the long term because we, we don't really, we never really see anybody or associate ourselves with people in the long term. And I didn't either until like, like you were staying in the military, I saw individuals who came from the same economic situation I did. And I saw how they progressed and how they achieved it. And every single one of them that I spoke to never mentioned the word easy. Never did those words come out of their mouth. You know, they were always like, it was hard. Um, we grew up you know, in the poverty level or even close to it or lower middle class, but, but with, with hard work, dedication, resilience, they achieved it, you know, and now for that future generations, their future generations are in a better position than we are. And nothing against people who come from, from Mexico and are immigrants, you know, you came here for a better life. I'm a product of a mother who was an immigrant. I'm proud to say it. Um, but we, we need this mentality in my opinion, we need this mentality to go away. We need to stop this cycle of instant gratification, of materialism, of living in the now. And as Danny, you said, you, of seeing the long term of owning this property. I know people who make plans based on, you know, lottery projections. <clears throat> and it's like, it's just mind blowing to me that somebody, you know, something left has so much chance and that let's be real. It's probably not going to pan out for, for let's, I mean, let's be honest. Right. It's, but I can see people cling on to that so badly and it's just mind blowing to me because I understand it. But at the same time, like, especially when I see an older person do it, like in their sixties, it's like, dude, or, 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 or ma'am, <laughs> you, I can't imagine how long you've been doing this. How long has it paid off? You know, just it just forget logic, forget math, forget counting, keeping receipts, whatever. How long could you guess that you have been doing this thing and it not work? You could have put that money every week into some 
some something to accrue interest and build you some kind of money. And this is not me saying I have all the answers because I don't. And I'm learning this stuff just now, too. I'm trying to learn these things, too. But at some point, you have to realize these patterns don't work anymore or they don't work enough. And you got to do other things. And it's hard. But, I mean, you can't, you know, it's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again. Exactly. Exactly. This mentality of, I'm just like so passionate about this subject. Yeah. For some reason, just because it's so close to home. And then, you know, I feel once you start seeing that mentality or those characteristics and that pattern from an outside perspective, once you've gone away from it, those people that are still in that mentality or in that place, they see you almost as a stranger. They see you almost as you're not part of them anymore. Or I that, know where you're going with this. And then I've even been told, oh, you think you're better than us. And please, no, please dis- and discuss the story. I think this is so important. In no way, shape, or form do I think I'm better than, than people who are still in those patterns and things like that. Because I was there. Hmm. Right? Um, I have this um, th- this uh, story um, about a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine. His name's Ben. Um, and Ben was one day talking to his grandma and Ben had mentioned to his grandma that he had a friend named Alex. That's all she had. That's all he had ever told her. And so his grandma was asking Ben questions about me like, oh, how's he doing? Uh, What does he do now? All this. And Ben was like, oh, he went to the military. Oh, and now he's, you know, going to community college and associates. And then he just got accepted to TCU and Baylor. So he's trying to decide where he's going to go from there. And, um, um, his grandma was like, oh, like she was trying to infer like my race. Like she was trying to figure out who I really am. And she ended up saying, oh, he must be a good uh, Christian white boy. And Ben was like, no, he's Mexican. <laughs> right. And wrong. Just, yeah, wrong. Right. And that, nothing against his grandma. Yeah, nothing against his grandma. But that just shows you that this mentality is associated with a certain type of race and ethnicity. And once you start deferring from that norm that they've associated you with, and they re- and some people not all refer to it as a white mentality, that that is when it like brings it to light. Now people will start saying, "Oh, Alex, you're acting white," right? That's a very common term that I've heard. For what reason? Because I myself decided to go to the military, get an education, try to look into the future. And if that means you're going to call me the patterns that I'm doing now white, then honestly, go. I'm sorry to say this, but go ahead. Because I would rather have the mentality I have now than go back to the mentality of materialism and of just thinking about the now. It's a generalized way of thinking. Very lazy. It's the same. It's it's it would well, not the same, but. It's a similar end when, you know, when, when white people characterize all, all those, uh, any group, broadly speaking, you know, it's, it, it doesn't help. It doesn't, it doesn't solve anything. It's not true. And the, and these, and these separate distinctions of, you know, acting white or acting this way or acting that way is, is just killing you because once you say that, and if you, and if you truly believe that, right, once you say that, you're basically saying, it's okay if I never be this way because I'm not that group. 
it's based on where you're from or the color of your skin or or you know where where geographical lines are and that's it so you're safe it it, it gives you this cocoon you're like oh well, i can't be like that so i don't have to try it gives you justification yeah, it's such a reductionist way of thinking about it. It's such a, you know, it's this or that way. And it's just, it, it's not true. Success takes many, many, many forms. And it's okay to look at all those forms. And if certain people happen to be doing some things, well, whatever, just focus on the core of it. And I mean that in terms of, you know, success and and actualization of the true self. Yeah, like, like you said, think of think of not the race, but think about the actions. Right, like, what what are the actions that are leading them to be successful? Th- th- I think that's the most important part. We need to leave this, this, I mean, and then maybe this would deters into this is a theory, but maybe this would and deters individuals from leaving this mentality at times. Is that you? You think you're going to be labeled as an outcast? You're going to be labeled as somebody who doesn't fit in anymore. When when I was in middle school, look, my parents sent me to private school. They 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 worked their ass off to send me to a really good school. I'm I'm grateful for it. But make no mistake, when I went to my middle school, it's not like this anymore. But when I went, there was very, very few Spanish people and even less black people. There was like maybe three in our school of black people. And we were like, it was, it was very, it was mostly Irish and Italian. And it's fine. It is what it is. That was the neighborhood. I didn't mind it so much. But like, look at me, man. I'm white as fuck. You know, you wouldn't know I was Puerto Rican if I didn't tell you. <laughs> Unless yeah. maybe it was August and I had a, a nice tan going. Maybe then, you know. <laughs> but I, I look white. And but when I went to that middle school, some students, I got called names too. I got called, you know, Spick. I got called wetback. And I used to be like, I'm not even Mexican. That one, <laughs> you know, at least pick the right, the right ethnicity insult <laughs> for me here. But <laughs> but I would I used to let that like at first I'd be like, whatever, but I used to let that actually get to me because I would see at least in my school and in my particular class, I would see successful people people with homes I had visited, people who had, you know, uh, a, a, a quote unquote, like better car, more put together car. Um, or if they lived in an apartment, it was a little roomier. It was in a nicer area. It had its own parking garage, things like that, you know? And I, I kind of internalized this in a little bit of a way. And I, there was one point in my life, I, I can't point to the exact age. I'm going to be honest with you, but there was one point in life. It was like a little bit before high school, I would say maybe 12, 13. Let's just, call it that for the sake where i used to tell people straight up i was just polish i'd be like oh i'm just polish that's it i wanted not tell people i was puerto rican or anything but i would just end it at polish because when you hear something long enough and you're in a situation that for the time at least may match what you're hearing all the time man is it hard to not believe it Especially at such a young age where you're developing. Exactly. Right? Those like fundamental years of where like you kind of develop your personality, you develop your perspective on life at that moment. And it's like so crucial, right? You go into puberty, you're got these social pressures from like trying to fit in, you know? So. And I had the familiar. Oh, so in sorry. a sense, you had to hide a part of yourself. Oh, yeah. well, I wouldn't say hide. I didn't have to do it. Honestly, I should have been me. Let's be clear. Like but that was my choice. To. You felt the pressure too. I, I felt the pressure too because I wanted to belong and I wanted to belong not because like I, I, I wanted to be, you know, Irish or Italian or whatever. It was that I wanted that life that these people had, this 
calmer, smoother life. You know, like I'm not close to a lot of my dad's family. He's very broken up. A lot of divorces or kids unmarried out of wedlock, you know, different mothers, like arguments over money, like real petty shit, you know? And I don't know a lot of my dad's family. I'm not that close with them because of that. And I had, I also had that familial um, influence on me too, because I looked like at my mom's family, we were all together. We all were in this house in Long Island. You know, we were all sharing holidays or whatever. And it wasn't like that with my dad's family. It was a lot of chaos and anxiety and scrambling. And, you know, some of my family members didn't live in such safe places. Let's be real. We still went there to visit. We still spent holidays, but they didn't live in some safe spaces, you know? So that was just another layer and another complication into sort of my identity. But I, I hesitate to use that completely. And and again, I don't put this on anybody else. At the end of the day, it was my fault because I didn't have the confidence in me it, during that time to to realize, you know, hey, wait a minute, this is ridiculous or you are okay. I, I learned those things eventually, of course, and largely from, you know, some family members, but it just, it, it like I said, it's hard. It's easier said than done, you know, especially when, especially the younger you are, it just, it's, it's harder and harder because so much is out of your control because one, you're a child, but two, you know, if you hear certain things, like if somebody said that shit to me now, like I could just blow it off or I could formulate a reasonable response to it or engage that person, maybe even change their mind. Well, that, well, that did happen. When we're in New York. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, Danny and I were, in, um, I was visiting actually Danny in New York city and we were walking out of a, if I'm not mistaken, a pharmacy. We went to go see your sister or something like that, just to say hello. And as we were walking out, there was this lady there. And as she, um, we were walking out, this lady, I can see her in the corner of my eye. She looks over at Danny and she goes, oh, my gosh, I can't stand Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. But she herself was was of Puerto Rican or Dominican descent. You could see it. Yeah, she was Spanish for sure. You know, and once I told Danny, he was just like, wow, whatever. He just like blew it off. Blew it off. Like you said, you do now Like you brush it off. Like, you know who you are now. But I could have I could have handled that, you know, way worse or I could have let it get to me or I could have responded back with something with her, you know, maybe the product of a generalization as well. It, it, it doesn't solve anything. You know what? You know that example? I mean, when that uh, incident happened, it reminded me of, of something else that I wanted to speak about. Um, it's that crab, crab in a barrel mentality. You ever heard that? No. What is that? Crabs in a barrel is they, they have this thing where like, if you put crabs in a barrel, one crab will try to get out, but the other crabs will see that they're trying to get out, so they'll pull that crab back in. So they pull never them, they try to pull him in or try to, try to grab on to get out. No, try to pull him back in. Oh, they don't want him to get out. They don't want to. They don't want him to get out. Interesting. And that's where I think that um, that's what I was saying that you know these people see you doing something different, or they see your patterns are changing, or your characteristics are changing, and they're quick to criticize you. And that I think, obviously, these are my opinions. It, it limits, it limits the amount. Put it this way: it puts it into your head. It puts that doubt into your head. Like, mm. oh, am I doing? Am I? Is this right? Should I be doing this? Do people like me do things like this? Right? You know, maybe they are right. Maybe I'm just way over my head. You know, and it's that back to the crabs in a barrel mentality. When you know, I hate to reference this, but. Not, not I hate to reference it, but I don't know how people are familiar with the rapper Jay-Z. Um, he has a very a line that speaks about it. Um, and it says the N-word, so I'll omit that word. But he says, um, if you, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I can't remember the quote right now. I'm going to pull it up, though, for you guys. It's a <laughs> yeah. very, and right, right when he said the, the quote, I, could th- I couldn't think of, uh, I thought exactly of what is going on in a lot of these uh, ghettos and, um, and hoods and the mentality and how people just can't get out of it. It seems like a never-ending cycle that, um, that we can't break. Yeah, it's 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 very very cyclical because you learn those things and then you and then you teach it to your children in two ways, explicitly what you say, and then implicitly the things that you do that they learn from by watching you and emulating you, and it happens with you know you can't deny it, it happens with everybody on the planet. It's just what it is, but it's it is that cyclical nature and that ability to make the same decisions that sometimes are poor and pass that down every time as well. Of course. Because because it's the psychological change, you know, that paradigm shift becomes very difficult. And like I said, you know, I'm guilty of it too. I'm still learning to this day, you know, I'll go think something or I'll go do this thing. I'm like, what are you doing, man? This is crazy. You know, you, you can't be doing this stuff. And it was, you know what I'm going to tell you right now? One of the ones I learned, and, and, and you might laugh at me about this one, but I understood the stereotype of the boring parent of like, Oh, my parents are boring or, you know, like you like that common joke or you see it in movies, whatever. They're really lame. Like the cookie cutter parent. Yeah. Like the cookie cutter, you know, that's actually a good thing. And that's a thing that exists, you know, uh, why everybody like laughs when they see it because it's a necessary thing. When, when you're a kid, you know, I, 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 I came up with this name and just bear with me. This is a thought I've been working on recently. I'm working it out. But um, I basically, ca- I call it the shoestring theory. And it's, you know, when you have a shoestring and you just hold it very taut, when you flick it once, you'll see it vibrate and it'll oscillate, you know, it'll go up and down, up and down. You'll see the string. Mm-hmm. But the string is still there. The ends of it are still in your finger. The string's not really going anywhere. And it's still that up and down motion. The string at one point during that up and down motion is straight, you know? So... I call it this because it's this idea that as a child going through life, your life is kind of that shoestring. But as a child, your life is that shoestring after you've flicked it. And it's, you know, you know, boy, like in the cartoon or whatever, that it's flipping up and down like that. That is your life as a child. It's constant. There's chaos. It's, you know, it's, it's all over the place, right? Very dynamic. But your parents need to be the middle shoestring. That one that when everything is oscillating up and down, that string that's in the middle back at that original position, that's where your parents want to be in life. And 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 I would think that most people who, who whose parents live like that would agree with me. And I think the parents would see it as well. You need that constant. And this is not to say they should be plain or I'm not trying to pigeonhole anybody. You know, I know everybody has different parenting styles, but the one thing I seem to notice, excuse me. <clears throat> The beneficial thing is that return to equilibrium and having those boring parents is kind of a, 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 a way of getting that or as close as you can get to that. So what, what would be an example of a cookie cutter parent trait? Well, uh, I think that like that, you know, your parent, you know, is going to come home every day after work. So sim- just simple, simple, simple social norms that we we've established. Yeah, like they're going to, you know, eat dinner with you every day or read you a book or 
or you know, if you need to talk to them, you can go to them if they need to lend you money. Like I'm just picking random examples, but it's that idea, you know, that that parent will be that rock there, or like, you know, how our parents love us, e- even when we drive them up the wall. At the end of the day, they still love us and they still do things for us. And as children, you know, we're little assholes. We exploit that a little bit because we know, like, hey, you're just gonna do it anyway. Yeah. But that doesn't mean parents shouldn't do it. You know, it's still vital that the kid knows like, Oh no, no, no. Regardless of what they say, this is what they're going to do. You know? No, for sure. I understand what you're saying. And I want everybody to know that the reason that we're bringing up these, these other issues is because we believe that this mentality stems from a lot of other things. It's not just this like, Oh, you're, you got this mentality and that's just the way it is. No, like this mentality hat stems from other things and they, cu- they accumulate to create this hood mentality. Right. And I wanted to bring up another one that um, I don't know how people feel about this one, but this mentality of victimization, of being a victim all the time. Right. And the way um, that they u- that people, individuals use this, um, use being a victim to justify their surroundings or justify their place in life over and over again. And the reason I, I bring this up is because I've been a big, I've done this myself. Looking back on it, I see that the many times that I brought this up and how did like, how it had a negative effect on my life that looking back on it, I would have just took it all back. Like what? I, I remember growing up and, and thinking like always in like uh, middle school and stuff like that. Just like, man, why does this happen to me? Why? Because like you said, um, I didn't go to a private school, right? But the area that I grew up in, and I'm not going to name the town, but the, the area that I grew up in um, was just south of Dallas. I would say like 20 miles. And uh, from where I moved from California to there, it's it's pretty uh, upper middle class area, right? Um, uh, majority Caucasian. Uh, majority of the kids, you know, they drive big trucks, nice trucks, new trucks. Everybody's got pretty nice clothes and things like that. And I always thought to myself, why, why can I be like them? Why does my life have to be like this? You know, like, Oh, it's my, it's, it's like, Oh, it's because people like, how, how do I phrase this without being confusing? I always victimize myself as just being like, Oh, I don't have enough. I don't have as much as them. So therefore I am less than them. And therefore I should be expected to do less. You're like safe. You're like, oh, I'm safe because I don't have to push myself because nobody's going to push me and nobody expects anybody to push me, even myself to push myself. Exactly. Because I kept victimizing myself because I kept telling myself, oh, I'm not enough. I'm not not as smart as them. You know what I mean? Why would I try? You know, like you, you just keep victimizing yourself of where you came from. Like, like in California, we didn't really grow up in a really nice area. And I always kept bringing that mentality up like, Oh, that's cause I grew up from here. That's why I'm like that. Mm. You know, you know, I, I let part those part of my years define who I was for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with taking pride of where you came from or where, or the struggle that you went through, but you got to realize that those are old stories and you got to create a new story for yourself. And it's okay to have struggles. Okay. But it's more important that you get through those struggles. Like people brag almost about how they're still dealing with the same shit they've always been dealing with. Or I'll I'll hear people say like, oh, I work hard. I've been working, you know, uh, 15 hour days since I was, 
you know, 16 years old or whatever. I never took a sick day or this or that. Like, okay, that's great. You want to work. I don't want to stop anybody who wants to work. And you are focused. That is awesome. I'm not trying to take that away. But also, like, but why? You didn't, you know, why? 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 In a sense, why? What? Like, why did you work those many hours? For that I mean, long? I mean, the bragging of of non-beneficial, borderline toxic um, thoughts or actions. Mm. And I, I and I'm just I'm not saying they're equal, but I'm saying they're from the, they're cut from the same cloth of the person who brags about working through lunch or working 85 hours or missing X, Y, and Z thing for money or whatever, you know, is not good as, is just not as good, is similarly not as good as the person who is 50 working the same job, you know, like bragging, like, oh, I'm still at the same job, you know, I stick with this, or I, I didn't need this, you know, I didn't need any math classes or this thing is stupid, whatever, but they're still, you know, like, well, I don't have enough money or I don't have this property or like I can't retire yet off the work forever. You know, it's like th- those 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 staying where you are is not good to brag about in they, any realm. They they brag they brag about the constant struggle they're going through. Yeah, like don't you want to get over that struggle at some point? Exactly. That's exhausting, man. Yeah, and that, that goes back to my point. You keep repeating the same story. You yeah. don't build a new story for yourself. This is the one I noticed too. Have you ever talked to those people like I'm I'm talking about the people you actually like, like not some rando on the street or something, but like your friends or your family? Have you ever noticed those people who like you still like them, you talk to them, you love them, whatever, but they're always like whatever new thing you're doing, or if you talk about a new thing you want to do or will do, they kind of respond like with a a an argument or a situation based in the past or, or something that, that they wanted to do and never did, you know? Yeah. It goes back to the crabs in a barrel. Some well, a crab is trying to leave the nor- the normalcy of being in this place or trying to change the patterns. And they always find a way, even if it's referring to the past or referring to something they didn't do, they have to bring you. It's like, they have to pull you back down. It's like, oh, this person is is going, he's elevating, or I wouldn't, you know, I guess elevating is probably not the best word, but, you know, trying to achieve something more, trying to achieve something out of the norm. Yeah, what you like, want. Yeah, yeah, and then they're like, no. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, yeah, well, remember when you didn't do this? You remember when you failed at this? I tried to do that, and I couldn't do it. I, I, I never understood that. I never understand that. I am so glad you brought this up. There's this, it, it, it's almost insane to say, but there's this mentality, and I'm trying to think of the right way to explain this. I want to choose the right words because I'm talking about a specific event, so I want to name it specifically. So I think I'll say it this way. It's very safe and it's very easy if you don't try because you can't fail because you didn't try. And so it's kind of comforting you don't have to put yourself at any risk. It's nice, but it comes at an extreme cost of mental lethargy and stagnation, physical, maybe uh, tolls as well. You know, like, and I noticed it within myself too. I used to say all sorts 
of moronic shit when I was like, you know, 20 or whatever, 19 in college, like, oh, this is stupid. You know, this is such a ripoff system or like, oh, America's the worst. It's screwed anyway. You know, like, like just, just dumb pleasantries and generalities. Where, where that I had you, no idea. you get those generalities from those pleasantries? Where do you think they stem from? They stem from myself not trying anything. So, of course, when you don't try something, you just put that lens on everything else in the world. Like, when people say, like, oh, I don't vote, that doesn't matter. It's like, yo, you can literally go on C-SPAN and watch the guy or girl you voted for just, like, filibuster for eight hours. And people will still be like, voting isn't real. I'm like, we have a new president every four years. I mean, what is that, a raffle? (laughs) It's starting to look like it. And it's just, okay, but that's just the president, you know, Congress, Senator, yeah. whatever. Like, there are new people that come into office. Some states, yes, they vote for the same people. But new people come into the office, too. You know, I'll give you an example. New York, uh, I think, what was his name? I think Bowman, Jamal Bowman won. I think it's Assembly Councilman. And he upset Elliot Engel, who had been in that position for, like, two-digit years, like 30-some years. So wow. there are new people in all the time. And you can go see them on these news stations, you know, fighting for x y and z topic you know so to just say like oh it doesn't mean anything to me it's just so reductive and it's just such a nonchalant way of of like denigrating people who care and have a passion and i'm saying it because i used to do it too and i used to denigrate myself sometimes if i had a passion and i used to be like oh this is stupid to put like or tell myself that and i look back like oh my god like i could have had a cool story i could have had a cool experience I could have learned something about myself. This is the most dangerous thing that that nobody wants to talk about. And I'll admit it. You cannot even be sure who you are until you try shit, until you fail at things. Because that failure tells you like, wow, I can't do this. And the question becomes, do you get over that and learn how to do this? Or are there some things you have to accept? You know, like I'm never going to be in the NBA but I had to see basketball to try that, you know what I'm saying? Or I'm not going to be a physicist, but I had to do, I had to try physics to, to, to know those things, you know, but there are things I can do. And I had to learn those things as well. I used to be terrible at writing papers. I would take me forever to write an intro paragraph. Like, like I'm talking days, embarrassingly. Now I could get a whole, I can get a paper done in like a couple hours. You give me, you know, it's, and I know that's a really like, that's a small example, but I'm just trying to illustrate the point that you have to, you have to try some things. Well, like you said, you have to put yourself out there. You, I think you brought up the good point of failure. You're going to fail. It's okay. You're going to fail leaving this bubble. You're, you don't, especially leaving this mentality. You don't know much. You've been stuck to a certain way of thinking. But once you start going and you see these failures and you start realizing, as Danny pointed, that there's something to learn from them, you you start learning a little bit more about yourself. You start learning. Sometimes you learn things you don't like. And that's okay. Not everything you do, you're going to like. I tell mm-hmm. you that all the time. Like, oh, I don't know if I want to try this because I don't know how I feel about it. I was like, well, if you try it and if you don't like it, then now you know what you don't like. There you go. Right? You know, you 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 start breaking down more closely, more closely who you are. Obviously you change over time who you are all the time, your identity in a sense, I feel, but you start getting more of a sense of how, how you, your learning process works, mm-hmm. how you take things from one step to the other. And I actually found the quote right here from, um, from Jay-Z. Um, it does have the N word in it, but I'm going to replace it with people. Okay. So 
The quote goes, if you put crabs in a barrel to ensure your survival, you're going to end up pulling down people that look just like you. Hmm. In two lines, he has summed up a great, in my opinion, the great um, majority of why people still have this mentality. You know, I don't know if this is too much of a personal one, but I was also, the, the example you gave was interesting about your friend Ben, but that's actually not the example I was thinking of. I was thinking of the story you told me when you went home. Which one? You know, when you had been back in the Navy for a little while and you were doing your thing outside um, around Austin, you uh, you went back home and you had some interesting encounters with your family members every time you kept going back. Oh, it was building on each other. But it, but but the core of the issue you were having was the same. Oh, yeah. So um, like Danny mentioned, I was in the I was in the military for five years, just as Danny was. And over those times, I met people from all walks of life and I met and I saw different perspectives, um, you know, lived in different places, you know, overseas and all this. And every time I would come home, the first times I would come home vacation, I, everything was decent. You know, I did feel myself a little detached just because I wasn't home that often. Right. But as I kept coming home on leave, progressing through my military career, and even when I left and I moved to Austin, every time I would go. I felt less and less attached to my family, less relatable to my family. And the more I kept going, the more I felt like a stranger. I just couldn't speak to them anymore. Not because they're not intelligent, not because they're not cognitive, not because they're not good people, just because their values and my values had changed so drastically that I started seeing that mentality Right. That mentality of like, for example, like, oh, let's go put rims on this car. Hmm. Right. But you don't live in a house yet. Right. Oh, let's go buy this sound system. But it costs more than your car. Right. And the more and the more I would say these things and every time I would bring stuff up to them and I try to bring it up casually and cordially because they are my family and I have respect for them. I would get shot down in a sense. I would get told like, like it, in a sense, it seemed like I was an outcast and I was just like, they would just sit there and be like, why is he talking like this? Right. Why is he saying these things? You're just dismissed. Yeah, I was dismissed. And until this day, it's sad to say, but um, I feel like in a sense to my family and when I see my family, I mean, my like immediate family and then my cousins and my aunts who we were all close growing up, mm -hmm. um, they seem like I have abandoned them. And just for the fact that I don't really, in my opinion, is because I really don't go as much to visit them. And it's partially my fault, but also because I feel like I don't think like them anymore. Do you think you've abandoned them mentally? Yes. Obviously, there's still things that I will always hold near and dear to my heart with them. That's why and, I asked you that. Yeah, yeah, my experiences, you know, they taught me things, you know, they, they took care of me. My aunts took care of me, you know, without them, I don't know where I would be. At, and I'm always will be grateful for them. But at a certain point, as you start developing as your own person. And once I left that bubble um, and that culture, you start seeing things differently and you start saying to yourself, like, no, I'm not better than them, but I want them to see life from my perspective and not saying that my perspective is right, but maybe you will see things that will help you elevate yourself and maybe start letting you think long-term. It's the interesting thing. I think, um, <clears throat> I don't want to get too, you know, 
I don't want to alienate anybody too much, but I think that's the interesting thing about military service. Excuse me, is that the the basic underlying idea, you know, especially in boot camp and stuff is, hey, you're going to be what we want you to be. You're going to like the things we want you to like. You're going to do the things we want you to do. You're going to uphold the values we want you to uphold. You're going to have those values, you know? And one of the important things that taught me in a weird way, maybe, is that I had never had to alter myself so much for another group or even another person. I would never, I was refusing to do any of that. You know, it was me, what I need to change this before, you know, what I need to act, whatever. But there was some, there was something oddly beautiful in doing that. I'll be honest with you, because it taught me that it taught me to meet another version of myself. And it was, it was, it was, I had only met, like, I really felt like one version of me for so long. And this was a really interesting point. There have been other points in my life. You know, but it was it was it was one of the first ones that was like strong of like, oh, this is a new me or this could be a new me or this is me in another lens. And, you know, I don't act the same now that I do now. I learned that, oh, I could take some good things from this and I could take some good things from this and I could take some from over here and I can kind of put them together, you know, like a Lego blocks and make something big one day. Would you. Would you say boot camp was when you had the most dramatic change mentally um i i had i had the beginnings of one i would say uh my my grandfather died right before uh, during my first year of high school um and just w- when i lost him he was the kind of guy who just like yo he did what he wanted he didn't give a fuck you know he, he was just himself in a lot of ways war, Korean War veteran that sort of thing he flew bombers or sorry he worked on bombers uh, during World War II he was just the type of guy like he wasn't rude and he wasn't ignorant or overbearing or anything like that but he was just like no you know I'm gonna do the things I want to do or do the things I like and and I could never do that when I was younger. Like I used to look at him like, wow, how do you have so much individuality? You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I was just ready. Like, I just wanted people to not notice me, make them happy. Like, you know, whatever. But I learned from him, like kind of this, this art of just being me and doing me. And, and that was one of the first changes I remember to truly like be like, no, I'm just going to be me. But that change in the military was definitely like, like the second wave or the one into my adult life, which I would argue, you know, I needed that first change, but the other change propelled me a lot further. I feel like you, you're. I feel like you're way better with words than I am. So I'm glad you brought up that you found that second version of yourself. I'd always try to figure out how to put it into words, but you, I think you put it in perfectly. Thank you. You do. You find this second version of yourself that was not like the last, mm-hmm. and you start to realize that yes, you can change certain aspects of yourself and create a new, like you said, create, I keep bringing this up, but create a new story for yourself. And when you create that new story, you don't forget the old one, but this new one is, is like now it's Mm -hmm. present. It's the future. It's going to continue to keep unfolding. Chapters are going to keep being written, edited, you know, and things of that nature, right? You can't, you can't, um, edit those chapters that are already been closed, the past ones in your life. 
that's it, you know? So I think we have to remember just to keep moving forward and to, to slowly, slowly figure out a new way to think. It has to be because even acknowledging, let's say something is the worst possible moment you've been in your life and you say, this is the worst I've been in my life. Even if that's true, hey, that's fine. It's good you admit it. But it doesn't do, it doesn't solve anything. You have to take that next step. You know, it's saying something is nice, but you have to do something at the end of the day. And at what point are you going to do that thing? Or are you just going to say it over and over again? Or are you just going to spot it over and over again? The, the small instances that you were saying, like these small little things, the ones that compound over time. Um, I think this mentality avoids us from seeing that as well. You, you don't see the little small things that can lead to the big, big goal. No, you don't. You need to achieve. And I've been there, right? Mm -hmm. I never put the emphasis on the little things. I never put the emphasis on like day-to-day -day things. And I, I remember I was watching this video last week. And like I said, most of this stuff sounds like common sense. But when, once you're stuck in this way of thinking and these patterns, it almost just seems so far-fetched to you. Um, he said, this speaker, I can't remember the exact video on YouTube, but he said, all you have is today. He's like, that's literally all you have is today. He's like, let that sink in. You want to be a more social person? You have today. You don't have tomorrow. You did. You did. You already had yesterday, right? You want to be more creative. You want to be uh, more studious. You want to get better at your craft. All you have is today. That is all you have. You know, it also, we're not mentioning it, education is a huge factor too. And I don't mean that as in necessarily that you went to an Ivy League school. What I mean is, you know, these things of knowing what a 401k is, knowing what a pension is, knowing the reasons you need it, you know, because you're not going to live forever. Learning, you know, other things too, how to, how to properly, you know, uh, uh, handle car ownership, you know, you name it. Like these, these, these life skills that, that, you know, that we, that people aren't taught as much should be taught more these skills to go through life at least with somewhat of a decent foundation because you need the foundation you can't build anything on a weak foundation well, well that that's the thing it's like do we have the patience to build that foundation well if that's does that thing, mentality but... allow us to have that patience to build that mm. that foundation you know like you said that's the most important part and from there you build on but if we don't have the patience to build that foundation then we're just like you said, you keep going in a cycle and you keep doing the same thing over again. It's insanity. It's yeah, it's brutal. It's, it's taking a different result. Or like you talk to somebody and they're in the same position they were, you know, five, ten years earlier. It's like, yo, you're doing the same things? Or you're talking about the same thing? I know people who the only way they can have an engaging conversation is by talking about the past. Wow. Wow. I've never heard of that. Like exclusive, you don't know people like that. Like you talk to them. Yeah, and I'm, like, sure, I'm sure I have, like, but I never even thought about. It. I never even thought that maybe that all they reference is the past. You're like 30 seconds in with them, and it's like some a story that you you know that that just going backwards in time. And like, yeah, it's funny or it's cool to reminisce, but it's like that's all they got. That, I mean, that that is speechless. Wow, like just I'm not that know. interesting either, but you, you know, I I definitely know people like that. No new ideas to speak on. Mm -hmm. no new new events going on in someone's life that you just keep referring to the past over and over again oh wow i can't i mean i can't even imagine having a conversation like that i mean what <laughs> I, how ironic that uh most of the stuff that we talked about is from our past right on this podcast <laughs> on this episode 
Well, I think okay. So we've been focusing on the past a lot. Let's go to the, let's go to the future. You know, the future. I, yeah. Okay. What um, do you think me, that looks like? To me, I don't know why I put such an emphasis on education, but I do. Mm. It's not the answer to everything. I will say that, but it helps tremendously, especially the way society is moving. Back, I would even say, fifteen years ago, associate's degree was like wow. You know, like, oh, why are you getting an associate's? Now, an associate's degree is what? You do that at night. You do, exactly. Everybody's like, oh, you got an associate's degree? Okay, that's nice. I mean, everybody's got a bachelor's. That's like the minimum is these days is a bachelor's. And it's only going to go up. Exactly. And and the reason I put an emphasis on education is just because statistically, Hispanics and things of that nature, they go for STEM degrees, engineering degrees specifically, mm-hmm. right? Um. And you're not gonna get it. Uh, you're not gonna be an engineer without an education, right? You're not gonna just go to a trade school and become an electrical engineer or a chemical engineer, you know, and things of that nature. And I think as this mentality brings, it doesn't. This mentality, what's mentality? Can you speak right now? What's associated with this mentality mm-hmm. is that it doesn't value education as much mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form, because education takes time. It takes hard work. It's tedious. It can be monotonous at times. And it's compounding. Compounding. There you compounding go. Compounding is never rewarding initially. No. That's what makes it good. That's part of what makes it compounding. Yeah. So the future would be um, if you're trying to be one of those engineers, you're trying to be a doctor, you're trying to be a lawyer, whatever it is that you know you're going to need school for, mm-hmm. put an emphasis on that. It's okay not to right off the boat to just go get a, a job and make 50k a year you know for most people that live in live in this um in the hoods and these ghettos and things like that statistically you know 50 grand is pretty good right for an individual but sometimes you have to take the long road for for anything of this to change we have to take the long road we have to take that road that that we don't really think about Mm. well i think that's that's the difficulty is that we don't consider that road but it's always there. And it's just, I guess, the question of when the person, the individual reaches out for it or, or decides, you know, hey, I'm going to try this new thing that may be uncomfortable or may take me out of my zone, but is ultimately necessary. So, yeah, I think this this topic is just this is just another one of our topics that is very intricate and there's a lot of layers to it. I'm sure we've hardly scratched the surface, but thank you guys for listening. Thank you listening for our philosophy and taking us uh, on this journey with us. I'm Daniel. I was um, here with I'm here with uh, I'm Alex. And this was the part of me podcast. Thank you guys. Have a good one.